Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome to High Stakes, episode 12. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter, at PlayerQDFS. And my guest today is a guy who has a lot of similar interests to me, uh, those being second-rate professional football, uh, XFL and USFL fan, also fellow showdown fan, uh, and a great DFS player. He's also the owner of Run the Sims, Justin Freeman, at Justin Freeman 18 on Twitter, uh, Heavy Chevy on DraftKings and FanDuel. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I've, I've told you before you invited me on this show that I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome, high stakes. Like, obviously, uh, you've had some amazing guests. I never miss an episode of the show, so I am just feel like a fan that gets to talk to a celebrity crush, man. I'm doing good. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, you, you say that you have imposter syndrome. I don't really play high stakes either. I'm, I'm high volume for sure, but uh, but I'm not really high stakes. So it's a little bit of a misnomer of a name. Nothing that you need to worry about. Uh, you're, you're high stakes. You're involved in the DFS community. Um, also uh, running Run the Sims, which uh, is gaining some steam um, and, and doing content pretty regularly. So I'm excited to have you on. Uh, one, one thing that you have that no other guest has is you had boots on the ground in Birmingham for the first week of the USFL season. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Did you feel like you took anything? Like, did you learn anything from that trip uh, that you could take back to your Sims? Yeah, what was funny is, like, I, I thought I was learning stuff. I remember I sat outside Larry Fedora's practice um, at Samford College. I'm sitting just outside the gate. I can see everything. And so I'm out there for two hours before, like, the strength coach or whoever it is comes up and asks me, uh, can I help you? Uh, you probably should leave. Um, and, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm taking my notes. I've got my notes app up on my phone. I'm like, Boom. Love it. Larry Rose starting running back, taking every first team rep. Okay. Love it. Uh, you know, Chad Williams starting receiver. Oh, Taewon Taylor starting slot. I've got it all figured out. I'm like, perfect. We're going to print. Nobody else knows this. And then <laughs> the very first inactives report comes out. And, um, you know, Larry Rose is inactive. They send him to the practice squad. I'm like, I just saw him take every first team rep, literally every, every first team rep. And now he's on practice squad. Um, I just saw uh, Taewon Taylor get moved to practice squad after he took every starting slot receiver rep. I'm like, I know nothing. We wasted a trip down there. It's okay. The, the, the hotel had a pool for my kids. Um, it was a fun time. <laughs> I love watching football. So, just hanging out, watching Jeff Fisher's team practice for about three hours. Why not? What else am I doing? 
How much of a waste was it really, though, when you became the face of USFL fandom? You were on the USFL Twitter's main page, your family meeting the mascot and Luis Perez, I believe, the quarterback for one. I don't even know which team he's he's on to be at the Waves. The generals, the generals. Okay, so so you, at least you became the face of USFL fandom, if that's if that's a title you want to hold. You know, I mean, I should probably update my Twitter bio to reflect the fact that I am the official face of USFL fans everywhere. Or, or if I'm not, at least one of my kids is. They got to right. take their picture with Dave the Wave. I mean, so the, I mean, the Freeman legacy is really all about passing down this history of alternate football leagues from from father to son. You know, I mean, I think that's just going to be my legacy when I'm long gone. It's a great legacy. Good one. Good one to hold on to. All right. Let, let's jump in a little bit. Uh, enough USFL talk for now. We'll get back to it, but I don't want to lose the entire audience right away talking too much USFL. So let's talk process a little bit. Let's talk your, your background. Uh, so let's start with what kind of what kind of training do you have formal or informal in statistics? Yeah, so I'm um I went to undergrad at Duke and did markets and management, which is kind of like the business degree equivalent there. And then I got my uh, MBA also. And so as you're kind of going through all those programs, you get at least some cursory knowledge into like basic computer science, basic management information systems, um, statistical programming, things like that. So when I say I'm sort of like the jack of all trades, master of none, that really is like perfect description of sort of my skill set. Like I know just enough of how to talk uh, relevantly, you know, intellectually a little bit about some of these concepts without necessarily like having my feet directly in the water, so to speak, on any of these different tasks. Like because what we're doing, it's a little bit of uh, it's a little bit of a math problem. It's a little bit of a stats problem. It's a little bit of a software problem. And so kind of learned a little bit about all of those things. So, I mean, I probably have what, three or four semesters of statistics under my belt in one way or the other. And then like, like probably everybody on everything nowadays, just kind of self-taught via YouTube on how to fill in the rest of those gaps. You know, I think that would sort of be one piece of advice for anybody who's kind of interested in learning how to do you know, advanced level statistics or, uh, you know, software type stuff, programming would be just like pull, pull up your program of choice and start typing away based on what you're seeing on YouTube tutorials. Like you can learn so much that way. And I certainly have and surround yourself with a group of people who can fill in the rest of those gaps. Yeah, that, that's good advice. Uh, and so you mentioned that you did do a little bit of computer programming there. Is it kind of the same thing where you, you self-taught computer programming or do you have any formal training there as well? No, no more than like uh, like two computer science courses in undergrad, like uh, nothing completely major. When I first started doing, I'm sure we'll talk about simulations here shortly, but when I first started digging into those, like it, it made more sense for me to like just open up an Excel spreadsheet and start playing away with, okay, what happens if I change this? Like you can literally see what happens if I change this. Like it's, it's straight to the point. Um, so just like, and it's the easiest way to kind of communicate with a system as well, too. Like, you just click on a cell to see the reference on how something is calculated. Like, basic point-and-click uh, user interface there. So, you know, that's kind of how I got started was saying, like, I, I know in my head what I want this thing to be able to do. Now let me try to figure out the easiest way to tell it how to do it. And then we can talk about sort of optimizing around that process a little bit later with a system that's more equipped to handle that. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, and so w when did you start getting involved with DFS and what drew you in? Yeah, I was probably, 
like many people, it seems like there's there's two different types of DFS players. There were there's the poker player crowd, and I'm definitely not the poker player crowd. Now, granted, I've played my fair share, but certainly not at a professional level like it seems like the overwhelming majority of pros are. Um, but the, the the other part of DFS players were the, the folks who took their season long leagues way too seriously among their friends, and then started getting pelted over the head with DraftKings and FanDuel ads every commercial break uh, during what fourteen and fifteen or so. So yep. I'd say about that time I started like trying to dip my toes into it, but still was consuming a lot more season long content, and that's just sort of gradually shifted, and now. I listen to hardly any season-long content, and I am very uh, focused on how to exploit DFS edges. I just find the game theory aspects of it so re- you know, truly interesting. I find it yeah. um, a, a uniquely fun puzzle to solve each week, especially for NFL. has that nice weekly rhythm to it. Um, I just love the puzzle. And, then, you know, we talk about sports betting versus DFS and everybody's worried about sports betting. I just find sports betting to be such a unfun topic to discuss. It's so vanilla, so black and white, whereas DFS has so many elements to it because you are competing against other people. There's strategy involved. There's no real true strategy involved in sports betting beyond hammering positive EV lines. So right. um, I-, I love it. And I really kind of it's really kind of started to consume me over probably the last three years. Yep. I'm, I'm in totally the same boat as you. I, I come from these season long streets, don't really have a poker background. I, I also, I played plenty of full tilt poker back in the day, but I was never professional, uh, never wasn't a profitable player. I don't think at any point for more than like a week. Uh, yeah. So definitely the same boat as you coming from those same season long streets. Um, and then, yeah, the DFS got his claws in me over time to slowly got more and more interested in it. And for me, I don't know about you, but I was a losing player in DFS right away because I think I came from the mindset of a season long player was just like yeah i'm just going to play the best plays each week i'm going to put in you know the, the player who i think is going to do the best and i my guess i don't know if this is true for sure my guess is i didn't always correlate right away in dfs i think that i understood that there was some correlation there right away but I, my guess is that if i look at my early lineups i didn't even necessarily always correlate my quarterback with my wide receiver so i've come a long way since then uh, how about you were, were you a winning player right away um, no, I would say like I wasn't getting 1099s from fantasy sites until three years ago. Um, once I really started to take things a bit more seriously, I was definitely not in the, in the thick of it for any real legitimate prizes, but I was also very casual too. Like it did not take a ton of my time. Now it did not take a ton of my money. It was just a little something extra to, to spice up Sunday. And, you know, one thing that's, maybe difficult to keep your eye on the ball with and I certainly fall guilty of this as sort of a content creator myself is most people are that way most people playing DFS are playing one lineup Uh, most people are firing one bullet into the millie maker or tournament of their choice and just want a good lineup to sweat and have fun with and that should be okay too like I mean I'm very much in trying to preach positive practices and get people to create smart lineups intelligent lineups lineups that have a chance to win um, but you also lose a lot of people that way once you either a start talking over their head or b start telling them lineup recommendations that are less likely to cash them in a particular tournament, but but probably have a lot better chance of really scaling their way up the leaderboard when things go right. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a tough balance always. People, because people want to play essentially cash lineups. That's what they really want is the best projected lineup, the lineup with the best chance of min cashing. Uh, and, and generally the advice that we give as content creators, I think it's kind of our duty to give people the best shot at winning. So we're, we're giving advice for this is how you get first place equity. You can make a lineup that has a chance at actually taking down a tournament and getting a lot of money. Whereas really those, those cash, cashy kind of lineups aren't going to win first place, at least not very often. Uh, they're more often just going to min cash, and that's really the upside they have because everybody else has all the same players. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting thing. Uh, when you started, so so you say, uh, you know, people start with just one lineup. Is that the kind of player you were? Did you start off just by playing, like, one lineup at a time, maybe five lineups at a time and kind of ramp up over time? Exactly. I think it was pretty incremental for me um, until I really started to – learn what tools were available out there the, in the form of optimizers that really made things, um, you know, much easier to, to mass enter. Once I sort of got down that rabbit hole, that sort of opened things up a little bit because, I, and probably naively at first, like most novice players, you're like, oh, 150, uh, you could play literally everybody then. And then you realize how false that is once you actually start uh, constructing a set. But even doing that is fun. And you, you kind of, you you really start to understand every lineup has so much opportunity cost associated with it. Like you can't do everything in every lineup. Every lineup has to, you know, sort of be uniquely blended to, you know, have the right amount of leverage inside of it and telling any optimizer system how you want that to be done is a very tricky task. And that's why pros are different than novice players is uh, pros are consistently able, especially 150 max pros are consistently able to tell the optimizer how to get at the type of lineups that it wants. Um, that's Those are not settings that for most systems are just automatically deployed. And so uh, I feel like I'm still learning very much like on a day-to-day -day basis on how to create lineups that are um, you know, sort of uniquely blended for the, the contest and uniquely blended for the number of participants and for you know the, the sort of the slate dynamics of that. So it, there's a lot to learn, but yeah, I got into that sort of slowly. I just remember um, you know, sitting on my back porch with my optimizer of choice loaded up, drinking a cup of coffee, just like I am right now, uh, watching the sunrise before I had any kids and uh, trying to figure out how many quarterbacks I should have in my player pool. But so it's uh, all come a long way since then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, opportunity costs. That's that's an important note about even even in a 150 max. I mean, this is yesterday I did a baseball show and I know you don't do a ton of baseball if you play do you play baseball at all, DFS? Okay. So I was on a show with Terry McBride and I asked him about, you know, okay, the Cubs have a 3% chance or a 2% chance of being the top stack of the day, but they're only owned 1% of the time. So that's, you know, you get some positive leverage on the field there. They're 1% more likely to be the top stack than they are owned. And I asked him, so do you have interest? Are you going to play them against Carlos Rodon, a very good pitcher? And his answer was, well, probably not. Like, I understand the play. It makes sense, but I could just play more of the Yankees who are, you know, 14% likely to be the top stack and they're only 10% owned. So I can get, you know, just play more of the other positive leverage spots. So it's always, uh, th there's always opportunity costs. People don't realize you really can't play everybody you want. You have to be making those decisions. Um, so that's, that's a really good point. So uh, now you play 150 max. What, what sports do you uh, MME play 150 uh, lineups? Almost exclusively football related sports. And uh, I've now started uh, dabbling into motorsports as well. So with F1 starting up, I was like, well, heck, uh, I can probably create some sort of simulated logic here 
uh, there's only 20 racers in the entire event. Uh, the scoring is super correlative. Um, so there's like scoring for defeating your teammates. So, well, if I can simulate the final race outcome, then I can, I'll have the answers to the test, so to speak. Now, granted, uh, I don't know what the final outcome is going to be. And that's why you simulated a whole ton of times uh, to try to figure that out. But that's been fun. And it's only existed for four weeks now. Uh, they're headed to Miami this weekend. And if you're like interested in playing, like, it's really cool. I I I've enjoyed it. And there's this weird like F1 buzz that's built up around yeah. like after the Netflix show and uh, they seem to be kind of expanding into America. Like this is the first race in Miami coming up. They've got a race in Austin and next year they'll do one in Vegas. That should be pretty sick too. So like you imagine like F1 cars flying 220 mile an hour down the strip in Vegas. Like that's pretty sick. That is. Um, so yeah, like th those are the sports I focused on. Um, I will occasionally do like bargain bin hunting, uh, overlay hunting or ticket hunting on some of the other stuff. Like I, I think the, the biggest boost to my bankroll honestly came, um, a couple years ago when, uh, FanDuel for baseball was giving away showdown tickets and Sunday main slate Millie maker tickets, um, for, for their baseball contest. And they were not filling, like you literally could not lose, uh, most of the time. And by the time the season starting to get towards the end, uh, they were starting to get at least beyond, uh, guaranteed, but still like you just throw a cash lineup in at 150 times, um, and print out tickets. So that allowed me to max enter a showdown contest for the first time. Showdown NFL. Showdown NFL, you know, coming around that fall. And had a really good start to that season. I was just starting to implement some of this sim stuff. And um, I think, uh, you know, it was maybe week four. It was a um, Chiefs-Ravens slate, uh, showdown slate on FanDuel. So I still had some money kicking around. I uh, had, had profitable first three weeks. And then the fourth week comes around. And, um, of course, you never win solo on FanDuel, right? It's, you always chop it with a few. It's only how many people you're going to chop it with. And honestly, I made like, uh, was it 45K or something like that? That first, uh, that that showdown. So, so that was it. I mean, that was kind of everything for like sort of redefining my bankroll because I'm just like a regular nine to five guy. Like, yeah. I don't have, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to put in play every weekend. So, uh, and even once you have sort of like that first big hit, you're like, well, now, what can I do? Like, I've always wanted to ratchet up my volume, and now I've got more money than I've ever had sort of set aside for this. And, what, like, how much is irresponsible to start playing? Can I max the showdown slate three times a week now? Like, is that in play? You know, and um, so anyway, it's that was kind of like the, the breaking point for me. But, uh, but yeah, mostly focusing on, on football. And then uh, I, I'm kind of interested to learn more about NASCAR, too, because um, – I think what I'm doing for F1 could translate. I've just, it's, uh, it's got a few more elements with like fastest laps uh, being a part of it. So you can't simply take a end of race outcome. You have to kind of uh, try to figure out some things along the way in terms of uh, how things do correlate for some of those other scoring statistics for fantasy purposes. But I think there could be something there. Now having 40 drivers on the track kind of dilutes your sample for simulating it. Um, especially if you're just looking for the number one overall lineup, you'll get some really weird ones tossed in there. Um, hmm. that I mean, you really got to crank your volume up to find the sticky ones. Yeah. So I'm, I, 
same boat as you in terms of I, you know, was playing lower volume until I finally hit a uh, big 100,000 NFL. And then me being an NBA player, so this is near the end of the year, it's late October, I started playing 150 max right away. I was like, okay, I won this. I, you know, got Osmo, got Fantasy Cruncher. And, you know, as I was learning Fantasy Cruncher, I'm 150 maxing every day. And of course, found that I lost tens of thousands of dollars very quickly, which you don't do when you're only playing like a handful of lineups. You realize once you start trying to 150 max, oh shit, you can lose your money so quickly. Luckily, I was able to get another win a few months later and then, you know, be able to increase my volume over time. But that is, that it's a dangerous thing when you have your first big win to try to start 150 maxing right away if you're not really prepared for it because you can lose that money quickly. So uh, it's good that you were able to continue playing and uh, become profitable, uh, continue to be profitable after having that big win. Um, you also mentioned uh, F1 is a sport that you've been playing. I, I saw that you tweeted that uh, F1 has solved the duping problem. Uh, I don't know the context of that. What, what's the context of that? How did F1 solve the duping problem? Yeah, so F1 has this sort of innate problem within itself of there's not a lot of drivers competing for first place every week unless something chaotic happens. There are two premium drivers in the entire sport, uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Charles Leclerc, and uh, they, um, they're going to win every race. They're going to win every race unless one of them wipes out, or two of them, I guess, theoretically wipe out. Um, at least it seems that way for right now. And, and the reason why that's possible is because – Every team and everyone, there are 10 teams with two drivers each, 20 players or 20 drivers overall. Uh, the teams are all uniquely funded by different organizations. So the, you know, it's like the, the baseball problem where the Yankees can spend more than everyone else. Well, um, you've got this, too, with Red Bull and Ferrari. They've got the two best uh, sets of cars out there. They're, they're flying heads and tails above everyone else in the field. So, you know, DraftKings has to make it sort of impossible for you to stack up like the chalkiest possible build because the chalkiest possible build will win most of the time in F1 because the, the odds are so good. So like um, we've seen multiple times now where the, the number one favorite driver is actually a minus money favorite to finish first overall. Like it's, it's kind of, you would not see that with NASCAR or anything like that. Um, and so yeah, they've, they essentially have, priced us out of being able to do the chalky construction, uh, mm. which is, you know, a captain uh, Verstappen with, with the Leclerc mixed in as a driver and then the Red Bull construction. Um, so that's now a mathematical impossibility. So they fixed that. So it should cut down on dupes quite a bit. So, which is good for me because uh, removing dupes isn't a huge part of my, um, a process for F1 at this point because we're still trying to get a grasp on ownership. So mm -hmm. how can I project dupes if I don't know ownership? Um, and so now I can just jam the best plays as I see it. And uh, hopefully if I've got an information edge over everyone else, then I should do fairly well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Uh, let's jump into process a little bit. Now, obviously uh, you, you own run the Sims you're using run the Sims and we'll, we'll talk more about the, the actual Sims that you do in a bit, but just, I want to start with some, some basic parts of your process. So obviously I know you use simulations. Uh, do you do your own projections from scratch? I do. Um, so when you head to run the Sims, you'll get my stuff for NFL, USFL, uh, F1. We've got, so we don't have tools for F1. We've got projections and stuff though. Um, so yeah, everything's based on sort of my synopsis of 
of the of the problem, which can be a good or bad thing. Uh, but the good thing about what we do is we try to give uh, the opportunity to override directly to our users, like through our product. Um, that to me is the cool feature. So you you pull up our showdown simulator, for example, and you get a chance to say, well, well, he's got uh, you know Derrick Henry in for seventy five percent of the rush attempts, and he doesn't know that he's actually got a bum ankle. I think he's getting no more than forty percent, or whatever you think the story might be. Mm -hmm. um, you get a chance to say, "I know better." Go in, run those sims based on that information, and so um, yeah, everything's kind of based on that. It's a lot of legwork, obviously. Anybody who does projections will tell you it takes a time. Like it's it's constant news monitoring, it's uh, constant tweaking on efficiency metrics. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it uh, to make it anywhere near like usable, much less really good. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, at one point in time, thought that I would do my own projections, you know, at some point, I'd, you know, get better at statistics and figure out what needs to go into the projections. And then by the time I had the ability to do that, I was already using awesome projections. And I'm like, well, these, these have been working great for me. Why am I going to try to mess with something that's working for me? So, uh, yeah, I think projections are something that, you know, you got to be kind of in the weeds to really want to do them. There's no real need because, I mean, you have your own projections, awesome has their own projections. There are a lot of really good projections out there. So for most of us, we don't need to, but that's good that you have your own projections that you're doing from scratch. It's maybe an, an edge that you have. Um, yeah, well, it's probably also what's kept me from doing some other sports too, in uh, baseball and basketball in particular. Like, I, I kind of think if, if I could reverse my life a little bit, I'd probably actually do a lot of baseball because my brain thinks pretty well along the lines of event-based scoring. And so um, that's kind of perfectly suited for that, right? Um, yep. But, you know, it's, it's tough for me to... I don't know. I, maybe I have a control problem. I like to I like to have control over the projections and and understand how they sort of all blend together. And it's always like I've been intimidated. Maybe this is kind of a problem with learning a new sport. I've always been intimidated to like learn all the new players' names. I don't know these guys. I haven't watched baseball in twenty years. Um, is yeah, is Mike Trout still the best player? I guess I, I don't know. Um, and so, but then again, Probably. like USFL comes along, and I've learned you know ninety guys' names in the course of a week. So yeah. like uh, maybe I should probably uh, scrap that piece of logic from my, my yeah. arsenal. With, with baseball in particular, you really don't need to know the players' names all that well. I mean, I guess if you're doing your own projections, you probably do. But for most of us, it's just like okay, play five batters from this team, play two to three batters from this team, and then maybe a one-off if you're if you're doing five-two. Uh, two pitchers that fit and typically you're going to be making a plus EV lineup. It's just, it is the simplest sport for me just because it's really all about correlation and, and, you know, looking at ownership as well. You don't always, you generally don't want to play the chalkiest stacks because it is so event-based, so random. Usually the chalky stacks are not going to be the best team and they're going to be over-owned. So there's a little bit more that goes into it, but to me, it is the simplest sport. So yeah, you should, uh, Give it a shot sometime, maybe. Uh, you alluded to doing ownership projections for F1, and that's something that you haven't really mastered yet. Do you do your ownership projections from scratch for football? Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I don't. Uh, I've never considered myself very to have a very good feel for ownership projections. Uh, I I have a feel for when I'm too high or too low on players from a raw projection standpoint, but ownership for whatever reason has eluded me. Uh, and probably that's a, a major uh, red flag if you're a DFS player wanting to take the next step. Um, but I, I don't know. Is the guy going to be 40% on or 30% on? You tell me. I, I have no clue. And I don't have a really good way to know that. I think, you know, there's so many factors, you know, I've also been rather disappointed with ownership projections, especially for football. Like I find them to be wildly hit or miss. I know some people think the ownership projections are really good across the industry. I, I kind of think they're really bad across the industry. I, I don't have a better solution. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been surprised. Like, you know, I see that Mahomes is going to be 15% owned and, and Kelsey's going to be 10. And then I'm like, okay, fire away. That's, that's low enough. That meets my threshold. And, then of course you know uh, you, you fire it up and he's thirty percent on and so is Kelsey's forty and you're like well okay that, that changed everything I made a horrible decision now and doesn't matter how the rest of the slate goes like I feel terrible because I missed that part uh, but yeah so I don't I don't mess with it honestly I try to trust the numbers that I'm seeing but um, uh, there's so many there's so many factors there's you know the the content influencer side that impacts things I don't know that a formulaic number actually does justice uh, to the many things that go into probably a really, really good ownership number. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't do my own ownership projections. I typically just use the awesome ownership projections and I think they're usually pretty good. Uh, I mean, in, in basketball, I think they're really good. Uh, generally, I, I find that they're pretty good. Uh, NFL showdown is the one that I think sometimes you can run into issues just because I think maybe the content makes a bigger difference. I, I don't know what it is, but there's sometimes, NFL showdown, you can really be surprised. And yeah, that's, it's always a big disappointment when you think one way and then it turns out to be something else that really affects, like, I would have I would have played this completely differently if I had known the ownership. So uh, definitely hear what you're saying there, but I definitely couldn't do better than, than the ownership projections that I've yeah, looked at yeah. uh, at this point. There, I mean, there, and there were times that I feel like uh, maybe I know that this ownership projection is wrong because there's been late breaking news and uh, you know, something's going to change here and this player is going to be under owned, but typically it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust their ownership projections uh, better than trying to do it myself. So uh, I think that there's, there's merit to just using what's available. At least, at least for me, I, I, have done well with the Osmo ownership projections um, on that topic. So, so one discussion that I've had with several guests recently is style of play. I play what I call an exploitative style, meaning uh, if I think that a player is under owned, I will go 
Uh, I, I won't just try to play them at their optimal rate. I will try to play them above their optimal rate. I try to exploit where the field is getting it wrong and, and the inverse of that as well. If I, play, if I think a player is over-owned, I'm not just going to play the player at their optimal rate. I'm going to play them lower than their optimal rate, try to take advantage of what the field is doing wrong. There are also players like Nerdy Tenor. Uh, we had a conversation where he, he describes himself as being a balanced player. You could also describe it as game theory optimal, where he just tries to play players at their optimal rates. And then, uh, you know, where, wherever ownership comes in, doesn't really matter because he's going to be uh, I mean obviously if he's right with the field on all players that's a problem but most likely the field's not going to be right at the optimal rate so he can benefit either way just not quite as much um, how would you describe yourself do, do you fit into one of those buckets or do you think you have a different style of play than either of those yeah no, I, I would say I'm probably more along his lines for showdown slates in the sense that uh, I'm not trying to necessarily do a lot of dupe prediction, uh, mostly because I've tried and not done a very good job at uh, being able to evaluate the number of dupes. That's something I'm probably, that's a leak that I'm going to be working on big time over these next few months heading into the NFL season is coming up with a good dupe prediction model. Um, but since I, I feel completely inept in my ability to predict dupes, um, I, I think I have, I have a good strategy that's probably low upside, but low risk also in trying to play uh, what I think are really good lineups in showdown contests. And the way that's going to work out is like, I, I may land on a hundred person train. And of course, like we, we don't want that. We want to avoid that whenever possible. But uh, I think the fact that I may have one of those in that portfolio is not necessarily worth weeding out when I feel like some of the others in there are going to be major positive EV uh, lineups that are probably only going to be duped, say, five times or something like that. And, you know, you're obviously hoping that the five times wins. But uh, so anyway, I mostly just let the numbers do the talking and try to play what I think are really good lineups. And I'll, I'll take a handful of very modest steps to cut down my dupes sort of in a big wave. Like I'll just say uh, I'll set a salary restraint rule or I'll, um, you know, maybe a max product ownership rule or maybe a blend of those two but even on those I'll try to like look through what I'm cutting out of my file to say well are any of these actually unique combos like do any of these have two running backs from the same team do any of these have do they break some sort of like basic correlation rule that causes most people to throw them in the trash but my optimal says that's actually going to be optimal 37 times out of 5,000 which is an astronomical number uh when you think about things in the in the sort of big picture so I try not to discard what I think could be good lineups so I, I kind of just find what I think is a healthy blend of that. Now, when I'm playing classic slates, I definitely try to go more exploitative, make really big stands. Um, that's worked out really well at times. It's also, it could be a major bankroll swinger when you're playing exploitative too, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you make that one chalk fade and the chalk goes off and all of a sudden you just punted away 1800 bucks on a, you know, $12, yeah. 150 max set or whatever so um it can be tough last actually did this last week in usfl uh so i played i think 150 brian scott lineups oh no and that seemed like a, a no i mean the dude's playing the, the stars are playing a completely different brand of football than everyone else the dude's yeah. a lock to drop back 50 times um they're a potent offense they look great 
And so why not take it? There's so there's so few sure things in the USFL to hang your hat on. Why not make it the one thing being that anyway, of course, the guy gets hurt in the second quarter yeah. and a uh, horrible weekend for me. Yeah. In USFL. And so, he was on pace too. He had, he had 10 points already by that point in the second quarter, I believe. So it was looking yeah, exactly. good, like it looking like a good call up until that point. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so like, to me, it, it varies based on sport type uh, and what I feel comfortable with um, in, in each of those types. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, all right. Uh, we, we got a listener question from Skyhook DFS asking, uh, he says he's curious on your rank of DFS sports in which the effort gets rewarded most, or there is the largest edge. He says your attention to USFL detail has been unbelievably appreciated. Well, Skyhook has been crushing it. He's, every time I look at the top of the leaderboard, I see far more of his name than mine uh, here for USFL so far. It's always funny when somebody like takes your stuff and does better with it than you do, you know, like, um, uh-huh, bro. He, uh, he used some of our projections uh, for week one and took down the first place for saw that. Was it, 25K or something yeah. like that. And anyway, it's just um that's because he's a great player and same thing for for skyhook here um but yeah i think these fringe football things are you know or any sort of niche sport i think you can really outwork the field and try to gain some information advantage and uh, i think that typically gets rewarded now I'm saying that in the midst of uh, being cold as ice so far through USFL, I had a really good uh, XFL season. I think you did too, two years ago, um, you know, where things seem to be going really well. And that was like, if you're paying attention, you got rewarded. The USFL has actually seemed like uh, it's been way more random than that. So like, even if you were paying attention, well, guess what? That didn't matter anymore. We've, we're on to the next one. Um, so there's, and there's some obviously reporting issues and stuff as well. But anyway, uh, I would say niche sports tend to be rewarded the best. Um, you know, there's fewer sharp players around. Um, you get some good action. And if you're paying attention then and using good projections, then uh, you're probably doing better than the field. Yeah. So, so I was going to bring that up, uh, the, the USFL thing, because, yeah, like you said, I, I had success in XFL. You had success in XFL just by kind of, seeing what the field was going to do and, and reacting and, and doing going different than the field because it was uh, there were just spots where the field was way off the field, way overreacted a lot. And I was planning, I thought the USFL was going to be the same thing, but it's been so random so far. And it sounds like you found the same thing that it's just like, how do you even exploit the field when you just have no idea? Like every week, it's just, you're throwing darts. You, you don't have any idea. Even with quarterbacks, it's like Jordan Te'amu was like the number one quarterback. And then suddenly he's splitting snaps with another quarterback, splitting uh, uh, you know, series. So it's, it's been pretty wild with, with the USFL and you, you've had kind of the same experience where it's just hard to yeah. even exploit the field just because we have no idea what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how many times would you have to see the same thing happen before you felt like you could trust it? I felt like I was at that level with Brian Scott and got proved wrong. Um, you know, people thought that with Jordan Tiamu heading into the season, like, okay, this is like literally the only dude with a track record. And he was great the last time we saw him throw a football. So no reason not to trust him. But yeah, like we've seen the coaches weirdly use so many platoons, like New Jersey's got a platoon, Pittsburgh platoon, uh, Tampa Bay's gone two quarterbacks. The Stallions have gone two quarterbacks at times due to injuries. It's just like, man, what can you even count on? Um, it, and it's tough to know. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe this is the week. This is our week, Neil. We're going to see our even. Week. 
I feel good about it. Even right here. Uh, but it, it does feel like a lottery aspect where they're just p- pulling ping pong balls out of the machine. And um, yeah. that that's kind of frustrating, obviously. Yeah. And, and to be fair, you say that you were proven wrong with uh, Brian Scott, but you weren't proven wrong. He was just injured. He, he was well on his way, right? So, so it seems like it was probably the right decision. Do you know anything about his backup? Just while we're on the topic, do you think that the backup is going to come in and have the same kind of volume? Do, do we think that that's uh, something we can maybe try to project? I do. I got, um, but I do have some, uh, I guess, some media credentials through the USFL somehow. Uh, slip up on their <laughs> process, I'm sure. But nice. um, I've got a, a post game presser clip from Bart Andrews, the uh, the coach there, uh, coach there, and he said uh, that they actually want to get back to running the football. He says like oh, they felt no. like they've been too pass heavy, and um, they're not stopping the run on defense, and they're not establishing it on offense, and they're just turning the ball over too quickly, three and outs, and this that, and like you know, if any team has a right to say that, it's probably Philly. Um, so anyway, I'll uh, maybe temper expectations just a hair, but I, I mean. It's not like I don't think there's a huge talent drop at any of these positions, probably yeah. in this league, right? So, yeah, probably not. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Justin Freeman to tell you about our sponsor, Noos Advantage. Noos Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer to peer to help level the playing field with over 500 player props offered. All new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESEMO. That's A W E S E M O. Noos Advantage has mass entry capability and big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our Noos Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the App Store or play on nohouseadvantage.com. Uh, so you, you think that probably this should be at least theoretically the sport where there's a big, biggest edge? I mean, niche sports, you say, is probably your answer there? Yeah, in theory. And like new sports. Um, so but before things sort of become industry norm. And, and I think F1 could really grow. Uh, they've actually shrunk it over the last week, um, which was weird because this is their first week in the States. Um, so anyway, like I, I think that'll continue to grow. The show's popular. People are sort of, like, I, I kind of became interested in it all of a sudden. I think a lot of people kind of maybe are starting to feel that way. Um, it's intriguing. There's cool storylines. There's drama. There's all that, you know, that hard knocks feel about it. Uh, but yeah, like I think anything new that's not sort of commoditized, you know, like football projections are a commodity now. Like, I mean, sure, I do mine separate than Osimo does his, but we're going to have a pretty similar number at the end of the day, you know? Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's not a soft game because there's still the soft skills associated with being a good DFS player. That's what's going to allow the cream to rise to the top. But I think you just got to be honest with yourself in terms of what your skill level is. And like, you know, I mean, I know I'm not uh, a level A player. Like I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And I still like I evaluate my play after a slate or something. And it's not just hindsight bias. It's saying, okay, like well, you made a, you made a horrible misstep in judgment and thinking that this was a lock to happen and it clearly wasn't. Uh, and here's the reasons why and try to make a note to self. So like, I think if people are just sort of maybe do an honest inventory and, and people are probably not very good at that on a whole, right. like doing an honest inventory of your skills. Everybody thinks they could be awesome. Oh, if they had the bankroll, right. Yep. Uh, just not the case. But um, so yeah, just, just be honest with yourself and, and maybe try to find sports that fit that, uh, that edge that you think you might have and exploit that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let, let's talk for a minute about late swap. Uh, first, I'm curious, are, are you able to make late swaps on the Run the Sims platform currently? Um, no, we don't have like the late swaptimizer type of thing uh, functionality that uh, FC has. But um, yeah, so but it's a big part of what I'm doing. I just do it all manually, one by one. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as a global swap. Sometimes it's a bit more complex than that. I, I think typically what I'm doing is just kind of going down my lineup set and trying to do the mathematical calculations on how many minutes remaining do I need to have a lineup within striking distance and how much leverage is needed there to, uh, to get there. Um, you know, and I think what I'm sort of doing there is projecting a final score of the winning lineup. And sometimes it's whatever lineup has zero PMR left, that's at least a baseline for you, right? And then um, it, depending on where you are, within the slate, trying to figure out how many points you're going to need. So, you know, I, I had that, you know, people are probably tired of me talking about USFL, but there was a situation no. in, in week two, like in USFL, where um, I had some lineups that I thought could make a run up the leaderboard if things broke just right. If I uh, swapped off the chalky TJ Logan piece and went towards uh receiver, I played Taewon Taylor in his first week back. And they end up scoring like relatively close to the same amount of points. Um, but Taylor was like 0.2% owned, yet I knew he was going to be one of the five active receivers that they had to throw the ball to. So yeah, like it made sense. Like I can look back at that process and say, did I cost myself three or four points across the board on every lineup? Yeah, probably. But was it the right thing to do? Absolutely. So yeah, I just kind of go in and um, I'm trying to think think through those. To me, you want to think through those things in advance so that you're not shocked all of a sudden when you have to make that type of decision. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I also in USFL, I think I tweeted this at you, but I had uh, I had one one live lineup. Finally, I had a live lineup coming into Sunday this past week, and I made a late swap onto a receiver who was the, I think he was the highest projected at least on on one of the sites that I looked at, uh, relatively inexpensive. And then at the end of the first quarter, he had zero points. So I just searched his name on Twitter and learned that oh he's out. He he was out with an illness. Uh, it wasn't reported before the game. They they announced it towards the end of the first quarter. I don't even remember what his name was, but that was. One of the more, Gaither. yeah, yeah, Bailey Gaither. That's one of the more uh, frustrating aspects of the USFL for me so far has been the reporting and just not knowing what's happening. But uh, yeah, it sounds like you you probably made the right decision uh, with, with your late swap, even though it didn't work out. Um, I actually, so I watched a video that that you did in which you, uh, it was a video about how you won a hundred thousand dollars late swapping. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that the actual decision you made in a minute because I want to talk about that. But first, you said in the video that you, know, you explained that there are uh, three tiers of lineups that you consider for late swapping purposes. One of those being lineups you need to manipulate to get to the cash line. Second would be lineups that are technically dead to first, but could still compete for a reasonably big prize. And then finally, lineups that are actually live to win the tournament. Uh, obviously, the, that day was unusual for it, it was an NFL site that spanned multiple days. So it was, uh, you, you had to actually spend some time on your lineups. You don't usually get to take that kind of a, a deep dive when you are uh, making changes to your lineup. Um, but we see that again now with, with the USFL. We do, we do have that kind of time again. Uh, so here's do you really spend time manipulating lineups to try to min cash the, the ones that just have min cash equity? Are you going in and changing those or are you just usually making changes to lineups with a chance to win? Usually the latter. Uh, I think 
you get an opportunity to slow down a bit when it's a sequential slate. Like that weekend was uh, NFL playoffs, conference championship weekend, I believe. So it's a four game slate, just like USFL, just like XFL. And I typically don't like, or it hadn't until that point, 150 max, um, you know, NFL tournaments, classic slates, because I, there are too many lineups for me to manage. And I don't think I would do a, a really good job with that. So, um, what I did that week was I thought I had an edge. Like I, I, we know like factually that the field does not swap as often as they need to in large field tournaments. Um, and so why not use that to my advantage? Cause on the conference championship weekend, four games, all one right after the other uh, over the course of two days. So you get like, you get like an hour and a half or so between every game. And then you get the overnight over Saturday night to really sort of think. And I think that's when I recorded that video was yep. either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Um, and I'm just kind of going through and thinking like, okay, how much, you know, how dead are each of these lineups to different categories? And you know, I think I tried to focus mostly on the ones that had a real, real path to first. Those were probably the ones I said, well, you know, when you create a 150 max set and you're trying to get some diverse lineups, you will occasionally have your, let's say I had, I think maybe like seven lineups that were looking really good or something like that. They might've also been the lineups that contained a really highly leveraged player. And I don't need that anymore. Those lineups are crushing I don't need to go completely off the wall there. So try to really uh, just reverse course there. Let's go chalk there because now I'm the one in the driver's seat. I've got the uh, straight path to first and I don't need to go crazy. Then we'll go down a tier and say, okay, well, these other 30 lineups uh, could make a run if, if we do something a little bit off the wall. And I think so what ended up happening was it was a Cameron Brait lineup that got me all the way up to third place in the Millie Maker. So I don't know how many entries are in that tournament, probably a couple hundred thousand or something like that. So, you know, finishing third in a field that size was obviously uh, really cool. And it, it, in many ways, was like uh, a, a great reward for feeling like you were working hard all season. Like to have it happen towards the end of the season is uh, a big payoff. I had like a, another thing like that happened last or this past year with the Super Bowl. Like I uh, had almost swept across the board the showdown formats second half showdown, DraftKings, I was top 10 or something, FanDuel, I won. Um, so it was a, a really awesome, it's like an awesome feather in the cap. It's like hitting a uh, hole in one on hole 18, you know, when you're playing golf and you're like, yeah. okay, I, I may have like uh, double parred my way around the rest of the course, but uh, I'll come back for that one. Yeah. Nice. So I, I lost you there for a, a couple times. I think that I got enough of what you were saying. I think it, it might be my internet. I might be having issues right now, but I kind of lost you for a second there. Anyway, uh, I'm curious. Uh, I was going to ask you, how, how afraid do I need to be that this process is going to be automated, particularly with these sequential slates? It seems like something that you could you know, have your program look at uh, the ownership that you have, the, the existing ownership on players in the tournament and in different lineups and the salary left over for lineups. And you could just totally automate, you know, your, your, your simulator could tell you this is what we project the winning score to be. This is what we project the cash line to be. And it could make all those decisions for you. Uh, is that something that is uh, too far-fetched? Like, do you think that's several years down the line or do you think that's something that somebody's going to do or somebody might already be doing? Yeah, I think most ideas that any of us are having, somebody's doing them uh, right now anyway. Um, that one in particular, to me, is probably a two-year-down-the-road uh, roadmap type of thing. I think that sort of right now, my focus for NFL to make our process better at Run the Sims is 
to really, and everybody talks about this too, right, is, is simulating the contest and creating a, a, what I'd call a dummy field. Uh, that to me is, is sort of the best approach and maybe even multiple dummy fields and running every, maybe not every lineup combination, but maybe every relevant lineup combination through the dummy field 10,000 times, see how it would have ranked in each one of those, sum up the total amount of wins minus losses across those 10,000 simulations. And eventually you'll see that this combination of nine players uh, equated to, um, you know, plus $20,000 or plus $500 or minus $400 or whatever that, or, or you can convert it to a per entry fee type of thing. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of meat on the bones still with simulations. We're only simulating uh, events right now, uh, the actual gameplay. To me, where it takes another level is where you go into those contests and say, well, how would you do if this was the field? And you train your model to create a dummy field that looks exactly like what you'd expect that contest to look like. So, you know, the way I would see it, if I had my dream world, and this is probably something I'm working on over the next four months, is, you know, create a Mealy Maker, uh, create a Millie Maker field, create a spy field, create a wildcat field, um, you know, create a hundred man field. And what do those look like? You know, how does the ownership change on some of those highest on plays from one to the next? How much stacking is going on? You want those lineups to look exactly like you'd expect the lineups to look uh, on game day. And so if you do that, then the power of big machines is you can go in and figure that out in seconds. And, um, you know, that's one of the really cool things about what we've got right now to simulate the actual events takes seconds. I mean, within three seconds, you've got uh, a fully simulated set of games and the optimal lineups that go along with them for our showdown contest. And that's a, a really powerful thing. So I try not to overthink it too much beyond that, because I think that is something that most people don't have access to. And, and I'm kind of fine with just trimming a minimal amount of fat off the top of that and firing away with those. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I it's a really interesting concept and and I want to get more into uh the actual sims that you're running and the the pros and cons of that um in in just a bit. Uh, let's save it just a, a little bit cuz I wanted to I wanted to just get back to this before we move on too much from your uh big showdown win that you late swapped. I just want to talk about that just a little bit cuz it was pretty exciting. I would think to have won $100,000 based on your late swaps. Uh you made in, in the video, from what I gather, the biggest swaps you made. So this is after two games are done. There's two games left. You swapped off of Alvin Kamara, was was in your lineup originally, onto Travis Kelsey. So then you had a stack that had... Uh, Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com 
slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Patrick Mahomes, Daryl Williams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and then that gave you enough money left over then to potentially add Byron Pringle to your lineup. I think you had Cameron Brayton in there. You briefly thought about moving on to Byron Pringle. I think that you stuck with Brayton because you already had so many Chiefs was the, I don't know if you said it in the video, but that was my assumption is that's why you made that decision. And then of course that was a, a big difference for you because Byron Pringle, I think had like two receptions for 14 yards. Cameron Brayton put up nine fantasy points. So you, you ended up finishing in third place. You were out of second place by 0.04 fantasy points and out of first place, and I believe this is a Millie by 3.6 points. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, do you want to have anything to say about that? And, and did you lose any sleep over those 3.6 points, or were you uh, just pretty pumped to see that your late swap got you up to $100,000? No, I appreciate you uh, twisting the knife there, Neil. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was painful to relive a little bit. But no, was it really? Uh, so, so it was a tough thing. I thought maybe it was super exciting for you. I don't know. No, it, it, it honestly <laughs> was super exciting because um, the lineups were climbing. Uh, and so when you're kind of coming from behind every event that happens, it's like, holy cow, we just went from 25K to 100K. Holy, yeah, that's that's big, you know? Um, yeah. And then you're like, you're looking at the .04 and you're like, you know, one more Leonard Fournette rushing yard and we're in second by ourselves for what, 250 or something like that. So yeah. Um, Anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. I actually cut in my uh, a few of my buddies for that event, and uh, we're all on a Zoom watching it together. This last few minutes of this game, and we're all you know, everybody's TVs are at different speeds. Somebody's getting the feed before the other people, and they're trying not to spoil it. Yet, you know, Leonard Fournette goes ham, and we're just fist pump. It was it was a blast. Honestly, it was probably uh, it was definitely the funnest DFS sweat I've been uh, a part of. You know, obviously, you know, you only have so many like real chances like that to ratchet up the leaderboard and have a chance at a million. So um, not all of us get there, Neil, you know, uh, we're not all in that illustrious company. Maybe one day if we yeah, keep getting enough shots on goal, you'll feel like it. But no, I, yep. I definitely, I thought about being frustrated about it, but I can't be like, I've been, um, that was, that was way too fun of a run to get there to be too frustrated about it. Yeah, I would imagine getting to a hundred thousand. Started I, now. I see why you moved on right away. You, I was. I said I'm going to talk about this lineup, and you're like, no, let's talk about Sims instead. It's because you're. It's too much, too painful for you to talk about the. 
yeah, potential man. Millie that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, that's that, that is rough when you look at it from that lens, but also winning a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, nothing to sneeze at. It's always a pretty exciting day. Uh, any any particular regrets in the lineup? Like, were, were there any? Was there a different swap that you could have made that could have been even more profitable? Or, you know, this is going to be a story of my life getting hurt by quarterbacks getting injured. Uh, Mahomes got injured in that game. He was I had a Mahomes double with Kelsey and Hill. The two lineups above me had Brady. Um, and the Mahomes got hurt halfway through the third, maybe early fourth quarter. Mm. And, um, you know, Chad Henney comes in and runs the offense for another 50 yards or something. And it's just like, man, if we, if we could have had Mahomes play, you know, like one more drive, we get there in first place and stuff. So Anyway, yeah, like that was that was the big sweat that like when you're looking back on it, you're like, oh, Mahomes actually killed us. You know, that was the thing yeah. we needed. But anyway, that was fun. And that was I'm looking at the lineup now. Yeah. So Mahomes has, has a Q tag in, in your screenshot, put up 21.6, could have got you a little bit more. Probably Tyreek Hill would have gotten you a little bit more. He ended up with 22.9 fantasy points. Daryl Williams is only 13 or was only 2% owned, got you to 13.4. Maybe he does better. So there's a lot of ways that this got, could have gone a little bit better for you if Mahomes had stayed in there. Now I'm just really twisting the knife, just telling you about all the easy ways that you could have made, could have got this Millie. But uh, sorry, Justin. So, sorry, sorry about your $100,000. That's a, that's a rough day. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody <laughs> feels really sorry for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they are too. All right. Uh, just I just wanted to make sure that we we touched on that lineup because I was I enjoyed the video I, I I've been kind of watching your videos I, I wasn't too familiar with your YouTube page to be honest I've watched some of your videos like as they come up it'll be like you're doing a video with somebody and I'll go watch that video but I was not familiar with your actual YouTube page this is my first time perusing I was like there is some some actually uh, good good content here I really enjoyed uh, watching that video and seeing your thought process and I enjoyed seeing it pay off too it's fun to kind of to see the screenshot at the end and be like yeah this this, I mean, you can see you're really thinking about it hard, and, and then SU win $100,000. So uh, fun that it paid off, even if it wasn't a full milli. Yeah, um, I did. I recorded again this past year because that's like my favorite slate of the year. And of course, I didn't publish that because I didn't run up the leaderboards. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's uh, that's sort of the like screenshot life of, of of the content game. Is like I thought that'd be a pretty cool piece of content to to discuss because no, not enough people talk about like actual late swap scenarios. Like I find it a really find it be a really tough puzzle to figure out yeah. um because especially if you have like two spots left and maybe you've got like mediocre chalk like maybe guys they're 15 to 20 percent owned or something like well that still means 85 percent of the people don't have this guy like is that right. enough leverage to get where i want to go and so um yeah and every lineup maybe has a different objective so that, that was kind of where i thought maybe those three categories were helpful like yeah, these are the yeah. lineups that I didn't just let me go crazy with them to try to get to men cash because they're dead otherwise. And yeah, so I, I think that's maybe a healthy way to look at it. Yeah. And that particular scenario was interesting because you were making the decision. I thought it was really interesting uh, seeing you thinking really hard about Byron Pringle versus Cameron Brait because it's, I mean, these are two like pretty low end players, but it is, it was a really interesting thing because it was like, okay, Byron Pringle, he correlates really well with Patrick Mahomes, my quarterback. But on the other hand, I've already got three, uh, I've got Daryl Williams and then Hill and Kelsey uh, in my lineup as well. So it's like, okay, so there's some negative correlation there. Do I really want to have that much of a Chiefs onslaught? So it was, I think you made the objectively right decision, but it was definitely a difficult one. I mean, right? That was that was a yeah. fun one to to think about. Um, one 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 other thing that uh, while we're talking about late swap, we had a really unique situation this year with 
USFL DFS in that DraftKings accidentally gave us the ownership for every player in the first week uh, USFL slate on lock of the first game. So the first game was Saturday night. There were three games on Sunday and they weren't supposed to, but they gave us the ownership numbers for every player, but still we had late swap abilities. Uh, I have to confess, I didn't make a single change. And it was partially because I saw it and I was like, ooh, this is such a big edge. I need to find time to like figure out how to take advantage of this. And I never found, I think you, I probably need, would have needed an hour and a half at least to like really think hard about like, okay, what, how are these ownerships and like, what do I need to change? And, and part of it was like, they had also given away a ton of tickets. So there was this, this like math of like, okay, how many of these lineups are dead? Like how many, how many, how much of this uh, player's ownership is just in dead lineups anyway? And who's using projections? Should I just stick to the projections? Do I need to? So it, it was a tough puzzle. I'm curious, uh, were you able to go in and make some changes as a result? I did make some changes, probably not as many as I should have. You know, you saw the chalk kind of consolidate around a handful of big name receivers and you know in hindsight maybe especially after three weeks like we know you just don't trust anything there right um but at the time I was also thinking like I think I've put together a really good lineup so it was Sean Poindexter 30 yeah. percent I just said 30 some percent and um I'm like well I still think I like my Sean Poindexter lineups better than the field Sean Poindexter right. lineup so do I come off of uh all of it, some of it. And so, yeah, I made a few global swaps um, to different running backs, like where the field had anointed like Mark Thompson as the RB1 in Houston, as opposed to uh, his backup, Dalen Dawkins. I think I did a global swap there. And I think they ended up scoring almost the same number of fantasy points. But yeah, like I did a few um, big things like that where I thought, well, I definitely want to have at least avoided where I think the natural pivot points are, like where I kind of like directly leverage, like even if you don't think Sean Poindexter is going to be the receiver you need in New Orleans, well, who is it going to be? Maybe you don't necessarily know that, but the running backs with two running backs per team, that made for pretty obvious, I thought, um, yeah. uh, pivot swaps. So. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that, that was another issue that I had. So, I mean, you say the chalk consolidated around Sean Poindexter, but it was a four-game slate, and he was, I think, the highest projected wide receiver. So I was like, he's not really that over-owned for a four-game slate. It seemed kind of fine to me. So it was like, there were there were no really obvious spots where, like, oh, shit, this player is 80% owned. I need to cut that out. Or or this player is, like, 0% owned but projects well. There, there were no totally obvious spots to me. So I was kind of well, frozen another, by that. Another element to that was we found out, I guess, overnight, Saturday night, the, the four-game slate over two days. We found out over the night, Saturday night, the DraftKings is going to refund everybody no matter what. Right. Um, and so then I'm like, well, if you're scared now, just go ahead and hang up your DFS cleats because like right. they're, they're free rolling this. You need to take chances. And so I think I made some pretty aggressive swaps after that. And so I don't even know what I, I know I was negative, you know, but that's kind of how I wanted it. I wanted to either win first place or make DraftKings write a check to me, right? You know, like yeah. I don't want to min cash across the board when I'm getting free rolled. So that yeah. was a great opportunity to really just go YOLO, uh, especially sort of as the lineups progress. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it was it was a great situation for all of us who participated uh, with with the free roll. It was it was fun, although I I also lost and ended up getting some money back from DraftKings. So thank you for that well, from DraftKings. And they single handedly ruined the entire sport. They did, much, I, uh, yeah, in a single week. So do, do, do you believe that? So that I sort of have the opinion that if they had not done the ticket thing and, and the, I mean all of the mistakes that week, I think that they could have run and 
possibly filled uh, a 50,000 the first the following week, or even they might have been able to fill the 100,000 the first week one and, and maybe week two if people got sucked in. But just because they just kind of kept a lot of pros from joining, there are a lot of people, a lot of people, myself included, I typically don't join a contest until the day of, even if it's posted a week ahead of time. I'm just like, I'm not going to bother until the day of, I'm not going to tie up my bankroll. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people just weren't bothering and they were planning on joining. So then you just like limit the number of 150 matches you've got and set a bunch of random people who don't even necessarily play dfs they have accounts maybe they play in the nfl season like but they don't they weren't planning on playing but they're like okay i'll throw in one lineup and uh i think they, they, they kind of ruined the product so i they absolutely ruined it um if you're in the content business they killed you um yeah. <laughs> if you're selling tools for usfl products to people who might potentially want 150 max they killed you too uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh anyway um yeah, it, it really sucks, honestly. And it left such a bad taste in everybody's mouth after that week. You know, people kind of need a little nudge to try new things anyway. Well, they're like, okay, I'm not I'm not coming back to this, obviously. And uh, anyway, the USFL itself had its own lumps. Uh, and uh, But yeah, that DraftKings screw up there really killed everything. And then following it up with 25K to first the following week was really kind of the death nail, I thought. Yeah, and now, now we're down to 20,000 this week. Uh, yeah, and I will say, so as, as somebody who plays DFS uh, professionally, like I play, I won 50 max, sometimes several sports in a day. Uh, I have not joined F1 just because I, I missed out on week one. I, I didn't sign up in time. It filled before I could get in there. And then I'm just like, uh, now I feel like I'm behind. And like, do I really need to add? So like, you don't like necessarily feel the need to add these new sports all the time. And if you miss out on week one, like like a lot of people did with USFL, they're just like, eh, I'm not going to bother putting in the time, especially now that it's it's gone from 100,000 to first to 25,000 to first, just kind of a, what, what's the point at this point? So yeah, I think, I think they kind of killed it with those mistakes, which is really unfortunate. Hopefully they can try again right. next year uh we'll see uh speaking of which we got a listener question from cookie socks 251 asks probably too early to tell but if the usfl survives what will be the turnover rate for players in your opinion looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players Pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, in terms of USFL players or DFS players? I assume uh, he meant USFL players, like actually in uh, the Yeah, league. I assume so too. Like, I, I would think you see, if, if they make it to year two, I think these guys are on two-year contracts. And so the only way they can leave 
is if they get a, U a, a NFL contract to replace it. So you can, if you do really well, go play in the NFL right away this fall. Uh, otherwise, you cannot play in the XFL next spring. So mm. um, that's if they want you back, of course, which I haven't seen a ton of players pop off the screen to say, like, oh, that's a franchise player for the New Jersey Generals right. there, you know? No. like. Uh, so um, I think the retention rate is going to be pretty low. Like I, I think maybe 20% of the roster uh, is retained from year over year. That'd be my guess. Maybe, I mean, I hope, you, you always hope that like some of these guys do get a NFL cup of coffee at least and, and go uh, get a chance to go play. Like, I mean, that's what the whole league is there for. And I pull right. for these guys too. Like, I mean, I, I, I love seeing, guys who just want to go out and prove themselves, have a chance to do so on a big stage, nationally televised, put some good film out there uh, for coaches to see. I, I I don't know, maybe that's just kind of old school or lame or whatever, but I think it's pretty cool um, that they get a chance to go out there and do that. So I hope there's nobody back in the USFL next year. I hope they all get a chance uh, to, to you know walk on a training camp or something like that with these guys. Yeah, that'd be fun. Another Donald Parham we saw move on from the yeah. XFL to the NFL, and he had some success in the NFL. Uh, we also saw P.J. Walker moved on. He was great in the XFL and then moved on to the NFL. So we, we definitely saw some players succeed in the NFL after coming from the XFL. I actually thought the XFL players looked better than the USFL from what I've seen. Just a lot of drops and nobody looking that great in the USFL, which is unfortunate. Um, that, yeah, that's interesting. The one guy who's kind of got my attention, I'll do a quick plug, is, is Jonathan Adams from the Breakers. He's a wide receiver. He looks phenomenal. Like, he's okay. his catch rate is kind of super low, but he is like an athletic freak. And he made it in week two, I think it was, he made a couple, like, unbelievable catches. And so that type of skill set is always needed in the NFL. And he's fast, quick, agile, athletic, goes up and gets it. Uh, you give him a, a good quarterback, and I'd love to see him get a chance, like to be our uh, our Parham here this time yeah. around. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so just just because you brought up, so I, I didn't realize uh, that players from the USFL have signed two-year contracts and can't play in the XFL next year. How do you think that plays out next year? Do you think we're going to have both a USFL and an XFL? Like, do you think they, these leagues can coexist in any way, or do you think they'll merge? Or what? How do you see this playing out? they're going to have to be really careful not to compete with one another. And I guess what I mean is mostly via television times, uh, schedules, like could the XFL begin immediately after the Super Bowl and essentially be wrapping up by the time USFL gets start? If so, then maybe there's a chance there. I don't know. Like I mean, I, you and I have kind of commiserated. The USFL is just not as, entertaining as the yeah. xfl seemed to be i think the quarterback play has been noticeably worse um i think the platoon stuff has got to go like the, yeah. you can't i mean the nfl does not run a platoon quarterback situation where they're scrambling guys in and out like it just it reeks of like division two football or something yeah, so right. like just pick your quarterback let them go in there put some tape out there because like who cares if you win or not like seriously who cares if the stars beat the generals like nobody cares no, just, it's can all we put the best watching yeah <laughs> can we put the best 11 players on the field and just see what they do together and let them put some highlight tapes out there for some coaches like that's all i really want to see the xfl just seemed to do a much better job of that yeah, that was that was my opinion as well. So far, I'm much bigger fan of the XFL than the USFL. Haven't gone and bought a USFL 
hat yet. Maybe, maybe if I take down one of these $20,000 prizes, I'll, I'll buy into the USFL more. But for now, it's just yeah. losing and not, not a fun loss because it's all just bad reporting and you, you don't know what to expect. All right. Now, uh, now we can get in. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Run the Sims, uh, the company that you're running. First, I have to say, so you mentioned on uh, Blender's podcast, you were on the Theory of DFS about a year ago, and you were talking about, uh, you said that you had created a bankroll tracker, tracker for Run the Sims, similar to like Roto Tracker, maybe to compete with Roto Tracker. And I was kind of excited to check it out, but when I went to the Run the Sims website, I couldn't find it. So I'm curious, is that dead? Am I just missing it? Or is it on the back burner somewhere? Yeah, I've temporarily killed that. Okay. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's a tough product to try to get right because I, uh, you know, if you look at like Roto Trackers, for example, they've got a pretty cool figured out now with the plugins, the Chrome extensions uh, to go ahead and pull your CSDs for you right away. Um, they've got a really good way of categorizing the type of contest that you're in as well. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, ours was okay. It did what it was supposed to do, but it's, it's not competitive with that at this point. Okay. So, um, yeah. And sometimes like as, so like I get to run the company, right. And, uh, you know, that those are some tough decisions because you invest, you know, thousands of dollars in trying to create a system uh, that you think can, can compete there. And sometimes you just got to pull the plug on something yeah. that's not, uh, you know, sort of at the quality that you want it to be. And that's, I mean, it's literally sunk cost, right? So um, it, it kind of tests you in a number of ways and you got to prioritize things. So I mean, sure, right? Could I get it? Could I get it right uh, and get it closer to being competitive with that product? Yeah, maybe uh, with enough time and money, but I've got 20 other things I'm also wanting to do. I don't think people need that as much right now. So I try to pick and choose my battles and prioritizing is a big, big part of that. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, Roto Tracker is doing a great job. So maybe not, maybe not a thing that is really needed in the marketplace. I want to check it out just to see if you had different, you know, uh, types of reports and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think I think it makes total total sense to stick to your core competency, and that is the Sims. Uh, so so maybe not a necessary thing for you. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Justin Freeman to tell you to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Um, on that note, so so tell me a little bit about the Sims. So you, you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier you do you do play-by-play -play Sims, but can you kind of explain what that means uh, and also tell me what you think the advantage is to running sims rather than just using an old-fashioned a typical optimizer yeah so i think there's a number of advantages basically when you think about what the sim process is doing on a play-by-play -play level I, I kind of equate it to turning madden on computer versus computer and just letting it play out and writing down all the stats as it goes through play-by-play -play. and you know obviously um, you know, Madden's software is smart enough to understand the differences in the script and how a coach would react to this type of situation versus another. And so you get an opportunity to create a fully correlated set of outcomes for every player in that game. And we know that player outcomes are correlated. Um, and uh, they're not correlated across games necessarily, unless maybe there's like a huge weather event or something crazy like that. But, um, you know, what happens in one game has nothing to do with what happens in this other game. And so by focusing just on the game and going play by play, I get to record, okay, play number one, pass 
from Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, complete 21 yards, not a touchdown, you know, and then boom, there's the fantasy stats associated with them. Play number two, uh, pass incomplete to Travis Kelsey, second and 10. Um, and so you, you work your way all the way through that. And, you know, so it's roughly what, 150 plays or so in a game, if you count both teams, you do that, uh, record everybody's stats at the end of it, total number of fantasy points, and you have one simulation done, and then you just run that back 10,000 times. So uh, you get 10,000 Patrick Mahomes stat lines at the end of the uh, simulation run, and you've got that for every player, and they're all fully correlated with each other. And so there's no more guesswork. There's no more, um, it takes all of the decision-making processes out of it. And so what we do after that, to me, is to me as cool of a part is create the optimal lineup from each simulation. And so if it's a showdown slate, it's really easy. We go to that Chiefs game and say, what was the optimal lineup in uh, simulation number one? And uh, boom, there it is. We record that. Now go to simulation number two, record that, and iterate through that. And the whole thing is done in seconds, which is mind-blowing because it used to take me well over an hour to do that um, for not as many simulations. And so it's pretty cool uh, to have that leverage. You get all the, like I said, all the correlation baked in. You get really cool uh, statistics that are relevant. Um, you know, optimal rate is sort of my bread and butter um, phraseology there. Um, and then that works really well for showdown slates because now I can, now I've got the fully correlated lineup. And now I can see how often does that lineup repeat itself as the nut lineup across all the simulations that I'm running. So yeah. now I get a, a large sample size to say that this one particular combination with Kelsey captain Mahomes in the uh, flex spot, Chiefs D, Harrison Butker, and these other two guys, like that combination repeats itself 17 out of 10,000 times. And so is that a good lineup or a bad lineup? Well, it depends. How many times is the field going to play that lineup? And so... Um, it, it just gives you a good opportunity to take all the like gazillion things of inputs that you're trying to absorb as a DFS player and boil it all down into a really simple program that spits out answers. Um, and, and so that's, that's the game. And so it's a little bit different in how it needs to operate for classic slates versus showdown slates, because I can give you the nut lineup on every classic slate too. However, those are probably not necessarily plus EV lineups. Just because they happen to be optimal in one out of 10,000 simulations, I will not get a single lineup that duplicates itself over the course of 10,000. I'd need to run 10 million before wow. I find lineups that start to duplicate themselves. Uh, so the sample size becomes much larger because there's so many more combinations to iterate through. Uh, but what probably is a better process is to look for maybe top 100 lineups or something like that out of that group and see if we have any that, that repeat themselves. But um, yeah, there's only so many uh, computational resources before that gets uh, very expensive to do. Uh, so you know, we're trying to find that mix. And um, so kind of using optimizers for classic slates and simulators for showdown slates. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was kind of wondering that if it's, so it sounds like it is more useful for showdown. And I think you, you said this on one of the podcasts that you were on. I don't remember if it was Lowell's or Theory of DFS, but you mentioned that uh, that's kind of the best use case for it right now is showdown. Because uh, for, for I'm just trying to think of uh, theoretically for uh, like a classic slate. So that would be you're running uh, a full game and then say it's a 10 game slate. You're doing that 10 times to figure out, okay, which lineup would be the optimal from 
this uh, slate of 10 games, and then you're doing that 10,000 times. So you're doing That's right. so 100,000 yeah, 100, 100, simulations. Yeah, That's and then right, exactly right. And you, you say that there are correlations built in automatically because you're obviously you're doing game to game and every uh, the, the correlations uh, come out automatically, but then also in lineup. So that it gives you the, the nut lineup, the optimal lineup. But then I would guess that a lot of times it doesn't necessarily correlate within the optimal lineup. So, so like, even though Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are naturally correlated together, you're still going to get a lot of lineups. I would think that, you know, unless you somehow build in, you need to have at least one pass catcher with your quarterback in the optimal lineup. It's not necessarily going to always correlate them. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Exactly. And, and so that's maybe even an opportunity for us is to... Uh, pass through more complex rules and constraints for that optimization process to not just say, give me the best nine guys, um, but instead give me the best nine guys with a two plus one, you know, or with a two plus one and a mini correlation uh, mixed in there as well. You know, maybe it's something a a bit more like that. So there's a lot of ways we can, uh, or or maybe it's all of those things uh, plus an ownership sum between 85 percent and 115 percent or something kind of like that so now you're you're finding good lineups that do rise up to top of the leaderboards um but because what will end up happening you know you kind of alluded to this maybe Mahomes is in the winning lineup and Kelsey or Hill had a fine game um but maybe was not optimal necessarily, you know, maybe he had 25 points, but some other guy completely uncorrelated another game had 31. And now that guy's in the the optimal lineup. And so, well, yeah, but that's not necessarily a good theoretical lineup to play um, because we can't count on that particular outcome happening. So, yeah, I I think there's some ways we can beef that up to make that a, a bit more contest appropriate too. So, you know, we mentioned kind of contest sims. That that that's a whole nother um, layer, but uh, maybe it's just something that could be uh, improved upon with some of the things we just talked about. 
yeah, so it's something you're not there yet, but it's something that you you might do in the future. And and yeah, that seems like that would be, you know, the the optimal the the, the lineup that has the best chance of winning a tournament versus the optimal might be interesting. But I would, to me, that's theoretically a lot more difficult to comprehend figuring out who's gonna win the tournament, like which has enough ownership to win the tournament versus the actual optimal, just figuring out uh, the you know who's gonna score the most points. So I can see the why that would be kind of an issue. Um, all right, so so you mentioned the cool thing though, Neil, is like even still as we're going through this optimal rates for classic slates, and we see that Patrick Mahomes is the winning quarterback in 30% of all simulations, then that's a really helpful piece of information because we can compare that directly to ownership. And yeah, sure, we're not necessarily we don't necessarily have to have the optimal quarterback for everything to work out, but if he's 30% optimal and 20% owned pretty good indicator that we should be heavy on that guy so even though we're not necessarily using the lineup we use that as a tool to help build a better lineup yep and does it at this point does it tell you like uh the uh percentage of that time that he is optimal with hill or with kelsey or you know does it give you not for the classics okay so not not okay cool um also, so you mentioned on Lowell's that uh, while your sims can account for game flow changes uh, and kind of make some adjustments for blowouts, that kind of thing, they don't uh, like they, they can't like bring in a backup quarterback, for example. Or you gave the example that they can't bring in like I think James White was the example that you used at the time. I think he was on the Patriots at the time. That like if the Patriots get down big, uh, they're not going to give him like a thirty percent target share automatically. So your sims don't always make all of the correlative changes late in games for like a blowout is that is that still the case um well that's actually something we're working on right now is uh is trying to add more conditionals into the uh into the scripts and so uh instead of each play being more or less independent from the play before and after it um we're trying to start a we're trying to set some conditions at least at the beginning of the simulation um to say hey uh in this simulation, why don't we go ahead and tell you how many touchdowns are going to be scored by each team and how many field goals by each team. And then, so it's kind of like starting at the top, then going back to the bottom to populate it back up. So it'll be a little different strategy uh, coming around this year that lets us adjust a bit more. Because uh, one thing I was noticing is um, the distributions weren't quite as what we'd call bimodal as uh, I would like them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that, you know, the, the sort of, to hump on the distribution curve. Uh, so if you're James White, for example, you're going to have a really big hump on your distribution curve at like right around five fantasy points or something. That's your normal game where he goes out there and has three catches for 20 yards and no rushing opportunities, right? Like it's yep. just a standard old James White game. And he's hardly ever going to score exactly 10 but he's also going to have this other swath of games where this one script occurs that he scores, you know, 15 to 20 because he was the guy that was out there in the fourth quarter during the two minute drill. Um, And so we want to be able to have, um, you know, curves that aren't uh, normally distributed, but bimodally distributed um, for, for players that have that type of role. Um, You know, and we kind of want that across the board to account for a lot of different scenarios. And you think about for showdowns, some of these like tertiary receivers need to be treated as such too, because like 
a lot of times we don't know who is going to be the like wide receiver three for that game. Yeah. Like we feel really good that it's Devonte Adams, obviously locked into a wide receiver one role, but is it going to be Lazard? Is it going to be Cobb? Is it going to be Equinemius St. Brown? Is Robert Tunyon going to be the guy? Like, well, there's, there's probably going to be a guy. We just don't know exactly who is going to be the guy out there all the time. And right. so maybe allowing um, the simulation to consider like, okay, the uncertainty lies that we don't know who, but once we do know who, so once we identify the who, then go ahead and treat that guy as a full-time member of the offense. Don't just parse out 5% target share to four guys, give 20% to one guy who, who might be the guy. So try to do some things like that and make it smarter um, and able to adjust for things. But as of right now, the way to adjust for it would be to go in and make your own assumptions uh, into our simulator where you can go and say, well, like, okay, what if ESB is the guy, you know, then let's give him 20% target share of this game and everybody else zero or whatever the numbers work out to be and, and see what that looks like. What kind of lineups do we get? And so you can kind of play around with it that way currently, but we want to try to make it smarter, more intuitive, which means the projection process has to be a lot more complex too, because you have to build in every rule that you want to tell the machine to consider. Um, and, you know, obviously making mistakes at that level can kind of compound on itself. So you want to make sure you do a, uh, do a really thorough job with that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious. So, so like if I went in and Delvin Cook, I'll use as an example, uh, say you have him uh, getting 85% of the rushes and I want to go in and adjust it. And I adjust it down to, I think, you know, what happens if Delvin Cook gets hurt or it's a blowout or something? I'm going to adjust him down to 60% of the rushes. Will it automatically give a boost to Alexander Madison or whoever the the uh, the other correlated running back is uh would, would he automatically go up from, in this case, 15% to 40% or, you know, assuming there's just two running backs to make it easy, uh, would it automatically make those assumptions for you? Uh, automatically, no. Okay. Um, the way it works is it needs you to sum it up to 100%. Okay. Um, and so you would have to say, it would give you a big red X that says, uh, you know, your rushing market share does not equal 100%. And so then you would basically figure out, okay, well, I need to give Madison 40% here this game or whatever the number is. Um, and so you, you get to choose, but you have to do it for the entire offense. Okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. If you're doing like the Devontae Adams gets hurt script or something, then you've got 30% of targets to try to farm out however you see fit. Yeah. And typically we're probably not projecting injuries unless you, you know, have a showdown. Maybe you, you can do that kind of thing, but I mean, just a theoretical, I mean, if you, if you make those adjustments, it doesn't automatically do it, but you can, it, uh, it, it'll tell you where you need to make adjustments essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, what one feature that you, feature that you talked about with blender on the theory of DFS was his request for an EV checker. He asked to be able to enter his lineups along with projected ownership and have your Sims tell him his EV over 10,000 slates. Or he said after a slate, he'd be also interested in doing the same thing with actual ownership, you know, inputting the actual lineups with the actual ownership and tell you what the EV is of the lineups. Uh, is this something you put any thought or work into yet? Uh, I'm more interested in, the foresight rather than the hindsight analysis because that's going to be more helpful to more people yeah um i would say to me like if you can create the dummy contests the dummy fields and the and the dummy contests that to me is the ev checker 
Um, so if I can show you a, even whether that's Showdown or Classic, it doesn't matter. Um, just create the sample field and then parse any lineup you want through it. And it'll tell you the average outcome or the sum outcome over all the simulations um, and, and what tends to happen there. So yeah, I, I think that's the natural next step for us is including some sort of EV checker. Um, I think for Showdown, that's a, a bit more complex because it's really a matter of checking for duplication. Um, and that means you've got to do a really good job of knowing how people, like individuals, construct lineups, not necessarily yep. how the uh, ownership projections are going to shake out. You know, I, I think it's actually probably easier to create a dummy field for uh, classic slates than it is for uh, showdown slates because you, you've got to nail that. And if you're off, this is where I think it'd be nice to have multiple dummy fields because if you're off in your number of, let, let's just say you have some bottom tier lineup and you have it duped twice versus duped four times, it's going to have a major impact on the, uh, the expected value of that lineup. So having a multiple set of dummy fields that adjust for that I think could be really, uh, really helpful there. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, so currently you do uh, on run the sims. You do USFL, NFL, F1. Uh, any other sports that you do or have coming on the way? Uh, MMA and NASCAR are coming on the way here soon, um, and so. I've got to get better at the NASCAR sims because they're not quite at a level where I feel comfortable yet. Um, and uh, honestly, USFL keeps derailing my ability to focus a, a whole lot on that. But um, we're, we're getting there, and uh, hopefully we'll have something out soon. MMA is much closer to happening, actually. And it's funny, I, I listen to you and Blender uh, quite frequently on that podcast, and uh, he's often describing a very similar situation to what we'll be uh, unveiling for uh, MMA, uh, where essentially it's, you know, it's using a lot of betting data. I, I don't follow MMA. I've probably seen a lifetime four and a half hours or so of MMA. So, um, but the betting data tells you so much of what you need to know for an event, event-based sport like that. See how often the uh, nut outcomes happen, because there is another sport where you do want to know how often the nut outcome happens. You want to be able to get a dummy field put together for that and parse through for EV purposes. So it gives us a really good opportunity. Uh, and it's another sport with a nice weekly rhythm, which is one of the reasons I've stayed away from baseball and basketball. Um, I like the weekly USFL, NFL, MMA, F1, NASCAR, all of that has a nice cycle to it. Uh, it keeps you from getting too terribly burnt out. Um, and you kind of get a, a small brief window to recharge your batteries and get ready for the next slate and everything. So, but I, so I'm pretty excited for MMA. I, I hear a lot of people talking about it. It seems to really be gaining popularity. Yeah. Uh, it seems time. to be a really fun sweat. So uh, I'm excited to get in there and, and give it a go. Yeah, that'll be fun. People are definitely, I feel like MMA might be the fastest growing sport for DFS. Just, it seems like it's become one of those sports that could support a Millie maker multiple times a year, I would think, just based on the amount that people talk about it, the amount of people love it. So it's a good idea to get MMA involved there. Uh, I'm curious, if you're willing to pay-per-views? What's that? Do you buy all the pay-per-views? It's, it's usually on ESPN. I just go on ESPN and there's a, it shows up. So I watch it if it's available on the ESPN website. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I miss it. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll start if, you know, four slates that I actually play, maybe it is something that I would do. I don't particularly enjoy watching people beat the shit out of each other, but 
when I have money on the line, suddenly I enjoy it a lot more. So, so maybe maybe I will now that I'm doing MMA DFS. Um, all right, it's been pretty exciting there in the last couple of fights. Especially oh, it is if you're live. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's a, it's a fun. Do, do you enjoy? Do do you watch a lot of? Uh, you said four and a half hours lifetime. Would you yeah. be willing? Yeah, if, so if you have a live lineup for you. Uh, life yeah, at this yeah, point, but maybe yeah. soon. All right. Um, okay. Uh, I'm just uh, to if you're willing to share. Do, do you know what your long term plan is for Run the Sims? Is it something that you plan to continue to build and grow and hold on to yourself, or is it something that maybe you'd plan to sell at some point or partner with another DFS site? Do you have uh, an idea of what you want to do there? Yeah, like uh, I think an ideal situation for me would be one where, um, you know, I can do this for a period of time until it becomes more valuable to someone else than it is to me, in which case I could walk away or, um, you know, worst case scenario, uh, hopefully, I guess this isn't truly worst case scenario, but worst case scenario hopefully is that I just keep running a DFS site for the next 5, 10, 15 years or whatever. Hopefully I'm not the guy still cranking out the projections over that period of time, but, uh, you know, maybe I can uh, offload some of that. So I, mean, I, I am I am at least modestly anxious to go ahead and get some more help on uh, a few key aspects, which is, you know, something I couldn't do as we're getting started, but it's starting to become something that's more and more feasible as we get a little bit bigger, gain a little bit of traction. But um, I think one thing that, you know, my partner, Pat Mayo and I, uh, when we started this, we wanted it to be tools only. Like we've been very conscious about just partnering with content providers to help us on the content side of the business. Um, and, you know, having a, an arrangement that works for those people rather than doing it ourselves because it keeps the personalities removed from the business and it keeps us able to, I mean, it makes it really easy for us to you know, hand it over to someone at some point in the future. Obviously the writing's on the wall with everyone in the fantasy betting space that there's some opportunities to make uh, you know deals at certain points if things work exactly the way they're supposed to. But, you know, for the short term, it's like make a good product, make it, I mean, this is the thing that I was using. Like this is, and I think other people think it's pretty cool. And um, I find it to be a lot of fun. I, you know, we're, we're really starting to kind of, pour some gas on the fire in terms of like adding additional sports and um, adding new features and um, pulling the plug on things that aren't working and, yeah. and things like that. And so it's fun. Like I, I'm a business guy at heart more so than a fantasy guy. And um, I enjoy reaching out to people and making connections and uh, helping other people out and um, you know, giving younger folks an opportunity to help us with different aspects of the site and, um, you know, trying to do things the way I think is the right way to do it. And uh, it's been very positively received by the community so far. And that's been uh, a reward in and of its own. Like, I was just a guy listening to DFS podcast three or four years ago. And yeah. now to have this going on, it's, it's kind of surreal. Like, I've always kind of wanted this type of life to be, you know, doing the entrepreneur thing, have something that's mine, something I take ownership in. I love it. So, I mean, if I end up, you know, uh, doing this for the next decade, that'd be cool too. Um, you know, if somebody wants yep. to sign me a check with a couple commas in it for the business, like, hey, that's, that's okay. All right, too. So we'll, we'll take whatever, whatever unfolds. All right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Just kind of take it, see how it goes. Uh, I've only got a, a few questions left. Uh, you, I think, kind of answered my next question already. I was going to ask you about content because, uh, I mean, you're, you're a personable guy. I think people like you. I've watched a few of your interviews uh, on your YouTube channel just this morning, and I, th I was really interested in them. I found them intriguing as I was listening to them. Uh, 
I also I, I saw that you had Mike Clay on, which kind of uh, took me by surprise. It was I uh, maybe I wasn't even following you at that time, but uh, I don't think you, you must not have even tweeted it out because you got Mike Clay on. He's got two hundred fifty thousand Twitter followers, and that video has eighty seven views. It has like the least views of any of your videos. So <laughs> I feel like you're in a spot where you could get more into the content game, and you you're doing content with other people uh, pretty regularly at this point. But uh, you're, you're well, not interested was, in doing that more was two yourself. Years ago, yeah, that yeah. was two years ago now. Um, and that was when I was starting up the the Captain Spot uh, sort of brand. And uh, so I, I had this YouTube channel, I had uh, podcast feed and all that, and I was sort of branding everything under this Captain Spot theme and trying to be like the showdown guy. That was kind of how I was going to make it in the business was to be the showdown guy. So I was writing showdown content over at Numberball, and I was making my videos public on YouTube. And um, you know, it was. I wrote the ebook with Brian Jester, like nobody better to do that with. Um, yep. So yeah, we just kind of like, I was going to make that the thing. And so I did uh, showdown prep videos for an entire year and uh, three slates a week for you know, 22 weeks of the NFL season or whatever. And um, I, yeah, I loved it. Like it was fun. It gets really exhausting doing that many, like, yep. uh, all right, Browns, Titans, Thursday night, here we go. Uh, we're doing just yeah. like Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, I assume. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so okay. I was doing the three big island games yep. um, for each of those. And then, you know, kind of like started, that's helped my following a little bit more. Um, I started to find more success playing Showdown and had the big hit uh, at the end of that year with the uh, 100,000 Millimaker. Um, then that was kind of where I was like, well, I want to do my own thing. And uh, the rest was kind of history. And what was funny is I was doing uh, one video a week with Pat Mayo on his channel. And that's how he and I became acquainted. And uh, I just kind of hit up Pat after the season. I was like, Pat, I think I'm going to try to start putting some of these simulation tools out there in the public. Um, what do you want to do for content this spring? Anything? And he's like, uh, Actually, I'd be super interested in what you're talking about right now. And so cool. he and I have been sort of a match made in heaven for that. Like he's got such a big audience and just sort of a natural uh, salesman of sorts to get people over towards the site, which is great. Um, like He couldn't do it without me. I could do it without him. So it's really been uh, perfect in that regard, kind of a perfect yin and yang. I get to run the business and he sends folks my way. So it's, it's great. All right. But you, so you, you have no interest in doing more content than you're already doing. You're, you're satisfied with, sounds like you're going the other direction. You're trying to do less. You, you're going to outsource that more. Yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't do any, uh, showdown content this past year and I think I'm going to keep it that way because I just don't have the bandwidth to keep monitoring projections and running the site day to day and also creating the content. I'm not, uh, you know, 90% robot like Osimo is, you know, he is a, a cyborg. I am, I am at least uh, 90% human. So um, <laughs> it's tough for me to be able to do all that uh, yeah. or at least do it all well. So I try to focus on making sure the site's clean, running like it's supposed to and uh, let other people take care of the rest. And there's lots of good places you can get showdown content now. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we'll close it out with the, the question that uh, I've been, I think it's a fun question to end these interviews with. Uh, can you tell me about your, and maybe you already did, tell me about your favorite DFS win and or win celebration. Uh, it was, um, I'm going to skip the Millie Maker story and go with uh, FanDuel week four, that Raven slate, the single game Raven slate is Ravens Chiefs. 
And what was unique about that is like Lamar Jackson's 85% owned on the FanDuel single game. Like, of course he should be. Um, but one of my simulated winners was a non-Lamar Jackson lineup, not in the captain, not in the flex, not in anything. Um, and he had a horrible game and I'm getting excited because I end up winning I can't remember, 40, 45, 47, something like that, thousand dollars. And, um, of course, it's like 11 30, 12 o'clock at night, and I've got nobody to celebrate with. My wife's asleep. So I wake her up out of bed. This is the first big win of my, you know, career or whatever. And I tell her about it. And uh we both start jumping up and down in the hallway. So did you have kids at this very, point? Huh? Did you have kids at this point? Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. They're uh they're so quietly upstairs. jumping. Okay. Oh, I see, Qu I see. Quietly jumping, yes, quietly jumping up and down. Uh, so very, very wholesome family moment there. Uh, but That's I had to have somebody to uh, celebrate with. It just That's didn't funny. feel right to do it otherwise. Yeah, it sounds like a great celebration. Fun for that to be the the first one to, to be able to celebrate together. Always fun. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Justin, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Justin Freeman 18. Um, obviously love everybody. Go check out Run the Sims and see what we're, we're doing there. Got some cool season-long stuff out right now where you can build your own projections for the season. That's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, come check us out. Uh, I, I think we're having a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Got Discord up and running. People are sweating USFL, so uh, not too late to get in those streets, but appreciate you having me on, Neil. It's always uh, it's always a blast to catch up and yeah. and talk about these, uh, these fun moments and kind of how we all got here. Everybody has their own sort of weird unique story that all led them to the same place and it's a it's a cool little corner of the internet we have here it really is yeah i really appreciate you coming on okay you also do a friday show with john daigle about the usfl right now i guess i guess that's a niche audience maybe not everybody's going to check out a usfl show but one other place people can find you uh Anyway, Justin, I, I, it was really fun having you on. Uh, even if other people aren't going to love our USFL part of the chat, I really enjoyed that. I needed it, I think, to, to vent a little bit, to commiserate. So good to get that out of the way and, and good to talk with you in general. Always fun. Uh, so thanks again to Justin Freeman for joining me on episode 12 of High Stakes and to Mike Lawrence for producing, as always. You can find episode 13 of High Stakes next Friday. Time is still to, de to be determined for next week, but it'll be next Friday. You can find it on the awesome youtube channel or wherever podcasts live thanks for watching and enjoy your weekend Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -ch
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.